It's timeline scavengers. I'm not welcoming you this time. I'm bringing a new energy. I'm going to be more assertive in 2023. So get into the podcast. It's Colin Parker, one of your hosts on the podcast that's designed to last forever. I'm I'm James Anderson. I'm just trying to play piano over here. Dink, 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 dink. As we get into a podcast where we uh, go through the MCU timeline scene by scene or day by day until the end of time. We do it chronologically, but like, I don't know. We do it in historical order, but I think it's wild that you ding, think that ding, you should be playing ding, piano ding, right ding, now, ding, James, because I think you need to get a little dirt. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you need to spend some time in the dirt. Let's go. I can, I'll play a piano version of Alice in Chains EP, Dirt. Does that count? Uh, no. So, James? Yes. I'm go- Today, you're going to learn some stuff, okay? Oh, God. We're going to be watching Luke Cage, Season 1, Episode 7. Uh-huh. <laughs> and this is me again. I'm being assertive. I'm I'm getting after it. No jokes from me this entire episode. Oh okay? god. Okay. That's yeah, pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. There's no one mores because there wasn't there wasn't even one to begin with. Um all right, so here is Luke Cage <laughs> season one, episode seven. Uh don't laugh. That wasn't funny. <laughs> There's no one more because there wasn't even one to begin with. That wasn't a joke. That was that was that was, that was a just a statement uh, of fact. Frankie, statement of fact. Starting. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? <laughs> uh, starting at 15 minutes 21 seconds and ending at 19 minutes and 26 seconds. I just feel like sometimes you don't miss me and that hurts. Anyway, um, <laughs> here here's what's happened. Uh, stop laughing. Okay. <laughs> Uh, a bustling household. Ooh. Ooh. We pan to a young man sitting behind a piano keyboard. I originally wrote just keyboard and then realized that could sound like, uh, you know. Yeah, like Cassie. So, um, oh, oh, yeah, oh, interesting. No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, laying down something special. Another man uh, who, after a few minutes, I then realized was Uncle Pete. Because yeah. when you watch things out of order and you don't initially start a conversation off with, hey, it's me, Uncle Pete, telling you this. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry, sorry. No jokes, no jokes. Okay. Uh, another man says, uh, damn, Cornell, you're just playing that like out of thin air like that? You don't need to write it down? Cornell responds that he sees it all in his head. The man praises Cornell uh, to Mabel and calling him a prodigy. But she responds that the prodigy needs to keep it down. All right, Mabel, my kind of girl, right? You know? Uh, Mariah is trying to study at the kitchen table. Also, no nonsense. Also, love her. Good. Uh, like that music is going to stir up all that hoeing going on over there. Mabel reminds him that the hoeing that's going on is keeping the lights on. Cornell is defended and, you know, said that he should be at a school like Juilliard. Uh, but Mabel poo-poos that idea. I don't know why I read, read, wrote it like that. I meant to just like, I don't know. But she's, she's like, no. Uh, Mariah also tries to defend him, but Mabel shuts her down quickly as well. Mariah stays quiet when they say that she'll grow up to be a lawyer. A man named Henry walks in with a friend and drops off a large stack of cash and a gold watch. Cottonmouth, you coming? Man, I told you that I hate that name. I could just call you Corny, but the man at the table stands up and yells and states that Cornell is practicing. Mabel initially says that he needs to get out there too. You know, he needs to get a little, get uh, get in the dirt a little, but then decides against it when she sees Henry's friend and dismisses him, making the second one stay. That's done. Is it? Yeah. I don't think they ever named him. This, I think the subtitles did, but they, they didn't okay, ever say it. yeah. Interesting. Weird, um, weird person to name. 
is all yeah, I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, she gives him a speech about how Uncle Pete's brother, who was her husband, and she built their empire with, and I'm going to do this as a quote, this is not me just saying wild shit, with numbers, pussy, and guns. I like numbers, guns, and pussy. <laughs> The one thing, James, no jokes, sorry. The one thing that they don't do is sell drugs. She questions the boy, and his hubris makes his mouth run. And when he runs his mouth too much, she grabs him and knocks him to his knees, then chops off one of his fingers. Chops off is, is a weird statement. She is, like, pruning, like, flowers. So she takes, yeah. like, the little shears, like, the little mini shears that yeah. you have for flowers. So it takes a second. It's not like yeah. it's an immediate chop. It's like a... Crunch yeah. into like through bone, you know. Yeah. Um. So then she tells uh, Mariah to go uh, study upstairs. Cornell is told to stay behind. Cornell needs to, in Mabel's words, learn how to piss standing up. So he goes with his <laughs> uncle to take care of that young man. He calls after. Sorry, she calls after them and keep it down. I got white people in the front room and I don't want to scare them off. Eventually, Cornell appears again, hands covered in blood. Shaking, he sits back behind the piano, but he can't play. He is not the same. Mabel wraps him and his hands up in a big hug. James, what are your Oof. thoughts on this episode? Mabel is one of the scariest villains. I agree. I'm, that's the end of that sentence. Like she, like yep. she's e- evil in a very real world way. Like she is one hundred percent, yeah. Like it's not like Thanos is a Titan from a different planet, and he's purple and stuff. Right. She cuts off a dude's finger without second thought, and like yeah. with a thing that I could go buy in a store right now. Yeah. Like like um, there's a. But on the other hand, there's also sort of a uh, sort of lioness protecting her 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 pride sort of deal, like like group of lions, not abstract sure. concept. But it's weird, and we're gonna talk more about this later. But it's weird that like she takes it to like a toxic masculinity place, like mm-hmm. yes. Um, I think th- if I'm honest with you, I think that's also though a little bit of the times. You know I, I, mean? agree, I like, agree with that, but I think that it's also what she has been forced to be in the wake of Buggy's death. Like, I suppose she has I, to be I, the boss and that's what that manifests for her. I think that there's also like a lot to be said about, um, about, you know, that's probably also just like how everyone around her has been, you know? Right. Like, I mean, like for example, Buggy, even right? right and like i'm imagining buggy was this type of person and also it like seems as if like the people in her life like i don't feel like i just feel like you don't end up that way yeah just like by happenstance i feel like that is part of you know right the nature versus nurture side of things i think right. that's the nurture side of it you know right um so uh yeah i just feel like that's um i don't know it, it's it's in pitch perfect yeah uh uh Aubrey, I believe, is the name of the blonde leader. Her dad is military, and she keeps quoting him throughout the movie, and that is informing her militant uh, way of 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 being, like being sort of existing in the world. And I get, uh, and I I like to think that I'm the only person that will watch this scene and be like, mm, that reminds me of Pitch Perfect. But 
um, I think that I see a little bit of something like if what you're talking about is true with Mabel, which I believe it is, she got it from somewhere and it, maybe it was buggy. Maybe it was like her brothers. Maybe it was her dad. Maybe like there's a male energy that she is manifesting in the, in the role that she's playing as sort of the boss of the family. And by male, I I, I don't mean that in a, a good way. I mean that in like a kind of a bad, like a really bad way. (laughs) I, yeah, no, I agree with that. And you know, I, the other thing is like I don't want to. A thing that I, that I I really want to point out that I, I kind of respect is this is a role that you could easily have it be sort of like, um, uh, you know, take care of mama and mama takes care of you from Chicago, where it's like uh-huh. I I'm into this you know dirt dirty crime stuff, but I'm really the you know the nur- I'm still the nurturing you know black woman stereotype archetype uh-huh. whatever. And she doesn't, you never get that sense from her. Even when she's no. hugging Cornell and trying to comfort him, you get this sense of like, she's just a, a toxic presence. Like, if, like if I may, yeah, I feel like what that feels like, if I may, because like, you know, maybe uh, yeah. they, they call <laughs> me sometimes. Uh, what I kind of feel like happens here as well is like the hug doesn't even feel like she actually wants to hug him. It's that it's like a manipulation tactic, right? It's she's like she's not hugging him; she's she's holding him in place. She's holding him there. Interesting, yeah, yeah. What's also interesting is that like she kind of holds his hands more than him. Yeah, he, right. She holds it in like a prayer sort of way too. Right. Mm-hmm. In my head, I was thinking it was kind of like being like not afraid to show that she'll also touch the blood. I feel like to some yes, extent, I agree with which that. Is interesting. I agree with that, um, which is also, I think kind of a little bit of a flex and like a power move, but I also feel like what it is is like, it comes, it, it feels like she recognizes that he needs the hug Yeah, because he's not quite strong enough yet. So she gives him the hug again, not because she wants to give it to him, but she's like, I might lose my influence basically. If I just sort of, don't address the trauma at all for sure so i'll do kind of like the bare like she doesn't say a word right yeah she just sort of she just does this thing and like that's all we i mean granted there could be more after that scene i get right. it right and i also respect like or at least i can acknowledge like in that world at that time with her being a black woman she has to be hard she has to be she can't be like, uh, let me hug my nephew. No, I think grandkid. Yeah, I don't remember what what I, where I was in the middle of. I think I was in the middle of saying like at the time you ha- you can't just be like, let me hug my grandkid. I, I have to be you know hard and 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 I'll take a moment, but it's going to be a lesson in this life and how right. playing piano isn't going to be what you get to do, sort of deal. Right. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I can respect, like, I can acknowledge that that, like, it's not that she's just, it's not, I'm, <laughs> this is a, I, because I spent all day reading uh, counselor stuff. Like, I'm not saying, like, she is individually evil. There's certainly a societal and a community sort of influence on making her having to take these actions, for sure. Right. In addition to the other, you know, in addition to her own personality, which is what you said, like, the nurture part of it is is also right. sort of how, how she was brought up and in this, in which society she was brought up and stuff. So, 
She's still terrifying, but you know. <laughs> I I can't think of a single time in which she has ever been actually like tender and caring in this right. show. Not right. just in these clips, like at all. In any clip that we ever see of her, even in this moment where she gives like the hug and some of that, yeah. it doesn't feel tender and loving. It feels, again, like we've talked about like sort of the other emotions and everything else yeah. that like, kind of like brings up and makes us feel like I just feel like there's something about her that is just so kind of always aggressive. And like that was sort of yeah. why I came in today being like, I'm, I'm being assertive. I'm being yeah. like, because like she doesn't have any, she has like no moments of like laughter or joy. It right. is just, it's business and anger, basically. Right. Um, yeah, the most jovial we've seen her is when she threw those papers on that fire that she just killed someone in. Like, right. Yeah, I mean, that is that's so true. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't even smile, but like, it's probably, it's a little bit like Raymond Holt. Yeah. It's like, she's like, what do you mean? I'm ecstatic. Yeah. And she, like, she and Pete do face. laugh uh, in the first scene when we meet them when they're laughing at true. the, the, the McIvers. True. Um, true but uh, but again see that's also still not funny. really joy yeah, that exactly. is like that is like you're Hyena taking laughter. delight yeah it's yeah. like taking delight but it's schadenfreude really right like, it's like yeah, totally aha this has brought me Ooh, this is entertainment but it's because you're in pain and you're like yeah. it's still not good like it just everything every, even your good stuff feels bad <laughs> you know um i think mama mabel is the closest to a game of thrones character that the mcu gets can I be honest with you? I feel like Luke Cage had a real opportunity to do basically modern Game of Thrones. Yeah. And there's a point in time where they kind of are. Yeah. And then they kind of get away from it. But like there was a point where they were really kind of on that beat. And I think that's one of the reasons why it was interesting to me. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, I enjoyed some of Game of Thrones. Eventually, I was just sort of like, okay, we are. I mean, there were just some choices there throughout that I was like, I can't. Yeah. So I just kept, I got away. But, yes. yeah, so um, the thing, uh, I thought I had one other note, something about something else that we said a second ago. Um, hang on, I wanted to go back to, uh, you know what is interesting? And it's something to keep an eye on. She's kind of this sort of toxic masculinity type thing, right? Right. But when it comes to Cornell, Pete is almost toxic positivity. A little, yeah. You know? A little, when you like when you kind of look look at it's. I don't want to say it's necessarily toxic, but like it is. It's getting close. You um, you get the feeling that he's encouraging him for some good reasons and a lot of not good reasons. It yes, because like it because he's okay, also I'm sort gonna, of the heir. It's sort of like if uh, Prince Harry was not, yes, was mean right. to George, you know, Prince George, you know, William's right. kid. But it was nice to him I, to try and keep him from the throne. I like my thing also to consider here is like again, I think that he probably does believe in him and does like yeah. when he's like act like in you know, talking about being impressed by his playing stuff that I don't think that was fake. Because like no. it would be fake or feel fake if it was bad. But like it he does play right. very well and it's very good. So I think that he's actually like, hell yeah, you know? Yeah. But I think that there is, again, kinda like you said, it is kind of also slightly kind of keeping him out of arm's reach too yeah. of Mabel. Um, kind of giving his own influence there, you know? Um, yeah. But, like, one of the things about him in this scene, too, is, like, if I may, I'm going to get a little personal here. It also kind of reminds me of my own father a little uh -huh. bit, uh -huh. where at times it's like 
he doesn't know what to be positive about or kind about or whatever. He just sort of like, he just sort of says things just to kind of, I don't know what the word for it is. You know, it's just like, it's a little performative mm-hmm. at times, you know, where it's just like, I, I like this will look good if I am on board with this, you know? Right. And it's like, you don't know what is happening or what you're talking about though. Like, it's like, right. you know. Is he, is he trying to win over Cornell and, 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 and Mariah? Like that's who he's doing that for? That, who's he performing for? I think it's uh I think it's mostly for Cornell. Okay. But I think that it's what's interesting is that like I feel like the the performativeness of it is sort of twofold with Mabel specifically, uh-huh. right? Um, there could be a little bit of Mariah to be like, see, like look at how I treat your, you know, your cousin, you know, and like how yeah. well, you know, we we get along or whatever, right? But I also think that it's like perhaps a subtle reminder that like, you know, he has influence over the kid, you know, right. with, with Mabel, but also it could very well be like, um, uh, like, like you know, when, when it comes to her deal? almost, and it's also, it also feels a little bit of like, like, see, like, you know, I, I can be a part of this family. Look at how I support him. You know, look right. at like, you know, like kind of also a reason to keep him around right. as well. Right. Um, but like, at the same time, it's weird because he's also kind of trying to keep him sort of at an arm's length away from Mabel. So it's like, right. it feels, again, very Game of Thronesy, where it's yeah. like there's multiple things happening at once, and it's like, ooh, you know, what's 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 the real meaning behind it all, you right. know? He's like, he's like, you know, oh, hey, Cornell, you're home. Uh, look, I bought you a PlayStation. And then Mabel's like, why'd you buy him a PlayStation? What, I can't buy him a present? Come on. Go on, Cornell, go ahead and play. And it's like, You've just done a thing that I can't deny is something that is going to be, you know, make Cornell very happy and whatever. But you've done it to get him on your side in a way that, you know, is very sneaky and sort of. Oh, yeah. It's it's buying affection. Yeah, that's for sure. But it's it's like buying affection through uh, helping someone achieve their dreams. (laughs) Yeah, true, true. It's like uh, very true, you know, uh. Gordon Ramsay makes all your dreams come true. You get to go to chef school or whatever the prize is at the end of, of whatever that show is. Chopped or whatever it's called. Yeah, and then and then he, you know, you go up, you give him a hug, you know, oh thank you, chef. And as you give him a hug, he looks square into the camera like excellent. That's my yeah. plan. And you're like it's also I'm confused about what your motives are. <laughs> it's also a little bit not to once again bring it back to this group, but Key and Peel, right? Uh-huh. Where they do basic, it's not Gordon Ramsay, but it's basically Gordon Ramsay. Yes. Where he's like, where he's like, I wanted to say you did an excellent job. He's like, thank you, chef, of being absolutely terrible. It's like, <laughs> uh, thank you, chef, and goes because why would you not have brought this to me sooner? And you're like, thank you, chef, and he's like, so I could you know spit in your face, whatever. And then <laughs> yeah. like, uh, thank you, chef, like, <laughs> because I'm so mad about. And then he's like. I think he actively he says, at one point goes. I'm not what is sure if you like chef? it. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's like, I'm not sure if you like it, chef. And he's like, okay, well, does this answer your question? Pack your bags. And he's like, uh, I was like, because you're going to the restaurant. He's like, yes, because where you'll finally learn to cook. And he's like, ah, yeah, it's just all that kind of stuff. It's so good. Yeah, it's um, really really good. But uh, yes, yeah. but yeah, exactly like that. Exactly. Manipulative. But but it's in Harlem and it's also like people's lives are at stake. Right. <laughs> like Game of Thrones. So it's just like that, but not funny. 
Right. <laughs> um, exactly. Oh, wait. Why am I laughing? I've been making jokes. Sorry. Oh, I mean, oh mm. geez. I've manipulated Sorry. you. <laughs> yeah, you've manipulated. Damn it. Yeah, you've puppet gotten master, me. Puppet master, puppet master. Yeah, you got me. Uh, hey, how about I manipulate you into saying, why don't we do an Avengers Ensemble? Hmm. Yes. yes. Actually, no, you know what? Don't do an Avengers Ensemble. But what I think we should do uh-huh. is an Avengers Ensemble. Oh, I love that idea. <laughs> Avengers Ensemble. Okay. So this is a new episode. So we have sort of our longer our longer Avengers Ensemble. If this is a uh a Simpsons episode, it would cut straight to the house. Um the do you know how the credits of the Simpsons are are shorter if it's a longer episode? So they'll just cut straight from like the Simpsons to like it's their homes because they have that they need the extra couple seconds time. Anyway. I love the concept of like of explaining the whole thing so that we don't actually cut the time. <laughs> right, right exactly. Um, it's like when I explain uh, an abbreviation, uh, one of my favorite bits. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, yep. uh, okay, so this is Luke Cage, uh, season one, episode seven. It's called Manifest, which is named after, as all songs in season one are named after songs by Gangstar. Uh, this is from track four of their 1989 debut album, which was called No More Mr. Nice Guy. Uh, it aired on September 30th, 2016, and I believe as we've established before, I think all of Luke Cage season one aired on September 30th, 2016. But I guess we'll have to we'll have to look when we see. They are, yeah. Uh, cool. All right. This was this was still the days in which, uh, especially Netflix, was like, here's well, everything all yeah. at once because that's what you all wanted. And we were like, yes, please. Exactly. And then two <laughs> weeks later, going, wait, what happened in that that show again? Yeah. Because we <laughs> watched it so fast that we didn't actually, you know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But it was brilliant because then it got us to watch again. Exactly. If it was good enough. It's pretty smart. Pretty smart. Iron Fist, I just went, okay. <laughs> uh, it was directed by Andy Goddard, uh, who directed one other episode of Luke Cage, one episode of Altered Carbon, which has Anthony Mackie on it, uh, two episodes of Punisher, yes. one episode of Iron Fist, one episode of Daredevil, and before you ask, Con, it is season two, episode six, Regrets Only. Okay, um, and uh, he also directed one episode of Once Upon a Time, one episode of Doctor Who, and six episodes of Torchwood, and then a whole bunch of other British stuff, leading me to believe that Actually, Andy Goddard must be British. Is British, yes. Hmm. That and does therefore answer was an extra my, my in next question. Because uh, when you initially said Goddard, I was going to be like, like the space station, but no, apparently not, because he's over in the UK. Right? Maybe it's Goddard. All right, so. Uh, it was <laughs> go Dodd, go Dodd, go home, or go Dodd, or go home. Um, <laughs> it was written by Akila Cooper, uh, who wrote Megan, you know, that yeah. recent movie, Megan. Yeah, is that the third in the Megan series, or did they just no. make okay? It's because she's like robotic, right? Right, right, yeah, yeah, and she can't tell the difference between threes and e's. Got it. Um, it's leet speak. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, you gotcha, lols. Uh, she was in. She also wrote two episodes of Star Trek: Strange New Worlds, uh, two episodes of Avengers Assemble, uh, three other episodes of Luke Cage, one episode of American Horror Story, twenty episodes of Grimm, where she served both as a writer and story editor, and then she wrote one episode of Tron Uprising. Mm, so, since today is uh, May tenth, that means that 
uh, she must be picketing right now. I, I would imagine. I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cornell, we have an uh, we have updated casting for uh, the Stokes family. Uh, for some of the Stokes family, Cornell uh, Stokes is now being played by Elijah Booth. Uh, well, NRNS, no real nerdy stuff uh, for him. Uh, Mariah is now being played by uh, an actress named Megan Miller. Uh, I didn't really see anything that stuck out to me. Uh, I will say that she was on one episode of a TV show called Collision Course. Like Collision Course, but with kill in it. And I, I appreciate good. that. It's pretty yep. good. It's a good name. It does sound like James wrote it. Yep, it sure does. You know, you can't you can't help it. Um, Pop uh, Henry, it's not Higgins. Henry Horner. Do you have a last name on Pop? I just wrote Pop. Oh yeah, no, I didn't get a last name for him either. Yeah, um, yeah, because they, they it's another H name. It's one of those things where oh, is it really? Yeah, Henry Higgins. No, it's not. Oh, I think it is another H name. It's it's like Henry Harold or something like that. For, for that's weird. Like, do they mention that? They I, well, I mean, H-H? like at, at some at some other point in the in the series, spoilers, uh, they do oh, say what gotcha. his full name is. I didn't, I didn't recognize that. Yeah, no, it's, it's one of those things where like Henry know that he goes by Pop because they go snap, crackle, pop, snap, crackle, pop. Yeah, uh, Henry Hunter, Henry Hunter. Henry Hunter. I um, mean, I will say like whether it's a video game or uh, or comics, they love the double alliteration names. absolutely that you don't Mama use Mabel. because you have a an alias yeah. <laughs> or a superhero name or whatever yeah right exactly um so pop is played uh for now by an actor named edwin freeman uh he was also in notorious across the universe my super ex-girlfriend and inside man which is a spike lee movie that i literally watched on friday it's mm-hmm. i i've seen it before um but it's very good and there's I guess cut this I knew that there was a twist in it because it's a heist movie and that's basically what you do with heist movies Mm -hmm. but I forgot what the twist was and then I then when I got to it I was like oh clever so uh it's a good movie Denzel Washington Jodie Foster does it need to be cut I guess not (laughs) I was gonna say because you didn't say the spoiler so I just started (laughs) literally making a note in our document that says cut spoilers but then you didn't say anything so I was like that I don't know if that yeah, oh, okay. no, that's fine. Uh, and then Donnie, the guy that is uh, killed, has the most robust resume, which is weird. Uh, cool. He's played by an actor named Ephraim Sykes. Uh, he was in three episodes of Russian Doll. He was in Hamilton, the one that they filmed for Disney+. Plus. Interesting. Um, he was in a clipping music video, which is, of course, <laughs> David Diggs' rap group. Um, clipping. Clipping, yeah. Because, but... You got it. Got it. Yes, yes, yeah. Got yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Got it. Uh, the sheer uh, audacity of of that joke. Sheer, like a sh- like. Yeah. Yep. Well, I don't get it. Oh, uh, he got pruned. So, and then he was also <laughs> that's Loki. Oh, sorry. That's that's right. That's Loki and bad taste. Um, and then he was also on two episodes of Thirty Rock. So, um, hmm. from Sykes, the most. Uh, resumed actor on, on the, yeah, exactly. It was nerdy resume. Yeah. True, true story, true story. And that's it. That's that's all that we. Those are all the new people that we that we met um, in the scene. Perfect. Yeah. Um, well, I don't have anything else for this one. I don't have anything else for this one either. Um, I will say, "Manifest" by Gangstar is a, is a is a good song, and people should go listen to it. It's good. Perfect. Uh, uh, well, if that's the case, then. 
James? Yeah. Do you want to? Yeah. Why don't I? Why don't I uh, play us out? Do 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 do. Good. Yep. Um. Do 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 do. Oh God. Um. <laughs> all I wanted to do was play my piano and have a Pepsi, and she wouldn't let me. Um. So you know uh, that song, um, institutionalized suicidal no. tendencies. It's good. Um. It has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we are in sort of a Luke Cage area in 1987, and uh, we're in a Luke Cage era. Exactly, that's right. Yeah, where Taylor Swift comes out in in a no, ye- not yellow that, not jacket. That one. Luke Cage Taylor's version would be wild. Um, anyway. I I am really into the idea of of Taylor Swift saw, finishing yeah. out her good, career with just cover albums for the rest that was of her a good career. Tweet. Abbey Road, Taylor's version. Um, Anima of the State, Taylor's version. Listen, I believe she could she could kill it. I, I believe, like, like, I think that Taylor Swift could do "Take Off Your Pants and Jacket," but Blink One Eighty Two could not do "Nineteen Eighty Nine." Listener, I'm a little speechless here. Um, I know that I should speak now. <laughs> That's a- <laughs> That's also just been announced for July seventh. That's right, Colin. I'm uncomfortable with. Uh, Are your... you proud of me? A little for, bit for, for me of knowing uh, these things. A little bit. I, I had planned this... in a later episode to talk about the betrayal of your feed getting taken over by Taylor Swift, but I can't now because now you're a Swifty. Listen, I'm not a Swifty, but what I will say is that I have uh, the following people to thank: uh, Beth, Jen, Becky, Jordan, different Jordan, Katie, Lopez, Rachel, Alexa, and I guess technically. Uh, uh, James, but Thank I mean you. specifically the the, the right. first names before James, they they don't let me escape a day at this point without hearing about Taylor Swift. Like I I kid you not, there's a um, Discord server for my stream, uh, and they talk about it so much that I had to make a specific space for just them that only they can see, but also as an admin that means I also see it. That is literally called for the Swifties, and they just talk about Taylor Swift all day, and I see every single thing. So it's just That's like. Awesome. So I've I've gotten so much news and history and so what, stories from all this. Uh, hey, thank you so much for listening, uh, and I hope that you enjoyed that uh, that Patreon bonus content of Taylor Swift talk at the end there. Um, or you have no idea what I'm talking about, and so I'm going to make a cool segue right now. Thank you so, so much for listening. Uh, as always, I'm James Anderson. I'm Colin Parker. Excelsior. Excelsior.